most readers buy most of their books on Amazon. This means if the Amazon page for your book is weak, your sales will also be weak. Yes, it doesn't matter whether you like Amazon or not. Most of your readers like and prefer Amazon. Your book cover will convince people to click on your book, but your back cover copy and your Amazon blurb are what are going to convince someone to actually spend their money to buy your book. And you only have a few sentences to capture the attention of a potential reader. This means that those few sentences are, unfortunately, some of the most important writing you do, and they're also some of the most difficult. <laughs> so writing book descriptions is often really challenging and really frustrating for authors because not only is it difficult, but it's a different kind of writing, especially from fiction. Writing a nonfiction description of your book, making it compelling in just a few words, it's not easy. So how do you make your story compelling in the eyes of readers? How do you make that Amazon page pop? So when after someone visits it, they can't wait to not just buy your book, but go on to read it. If only there were a tool that could help you craft compelling book descriptions and make your Amazon page better. Well, there is, and you're going to find out about it in this episode of Novel Marketing, the longest running book marketing podcast in the world. I'm Thomas Umstead Jr., CEO of Author Media, and this is the show for writers who want to build their platform, sell more books, and make a living writing books worth talking about. And joining us today is a guest who is now an official friend of the show. He's the creator of Kindlepreneur.com, which is a website devoted to teaching advanced book marketing to authors. And he's also the creator of Publisher Rocket and of Atticus. Dave Chesson, welcome to the Novel Marketing Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you rolled out a new feature called the Kindle Book Description Generator. What on earth is that? Yeah. So when I first created the tool, really what it was made was just to help authors be able to craft beautiful looking book descriptions. Okay. And for those who don't know, you can actually use HTML coding to make your book description have bold words, bigger words, bullet points, numbers, all these things. Well, a majority of authors don't know how to HTML code. Some of the authors that do know how to do HTML code, if they make a mistake for the next day or two, their book has like big letters or all bold because they forgot to close out a, a code piece, right? This is a situation where a little bit of knowledge is actually more dangerous than no knowledge at all. <laughs> yes, it is. I definitely once launched a book where I totally forgot to close a code and half of my book description was missing. And that was a great failure to launch right then and there. So what we did was we designed this free online tool where what you can do is you can put your book description into it and then you can highlight something and then click a button to make it look the way you want it. And what's really cool is that exactly how you see it there is exactly how it's going to look on Amazon. I mean, we're talking the same exact font, letter spacing, height, space, all of it. There will be no difference. And when you've got it looking the way you want, you just click a button, you get the HTML code, you just copy it and paste it into your KDP dashboard where, when it asks for the book description. Now, the thing about the tool is that while that's been a go-to for authors, especially as they're about to load up their book description, fact of the matter is, is that over the years, I've done a lot of coaching. I've been a shopper of many a books and I've constantly seen some really bad book descriptions. Some people think a book description is a book report. I've seen some where people are giving me like five, six, seven, eight, nine different character names. They're almost telling me the entire story. It's like, why do I need to read this anymore? I've seen authors 
where, and let's face it, we all do this. Nobody prepares their book description. They get to KDP, they go to Hit Publish, and immediately they start writing their book description right then and there. And it's funny is the more that I talk with authors, the more I find that most of us cringe having to write it. We just spent hours writing an entire book, but we can't take the time for like a 200 word brief discussion about the book that helps entice people to buy. Now, over the years, I've created some free PDF formulas, things that help authors to craft a good book description. And we have found monitoring Amazon and analyzing customer interactions with Amazon that there's actually starting to become an almost format, if you will, to Amazon book descriptions. And what I mean by this is that we shoppers, we like the familiar, okay? It's so much easier for us when we know what to expect. It's a pattern. And we found that on Amazon book descriptions, there's almost a pattern, especially in fiction, that is the best kind of format or layout for book descriptions out there. And generally speaking, what this is, is that you start with a hook. So it's a sentence or two that just grabs their attention. And this is important because when you go to Amazon sales page, they'll only show two sentences of the book description and the person needs to click the read more to see it. So it's really important for an Amazon book description that the first sentence or two is really eye-catching. Then the second paragraph, if you will, after that, is what we have found is a great genre or sub-sub-sub-genre developer, okay? Something that tells the person that, oh, this is truly a post-apocalyptic book, okay? And it's the dragon's post-apocalyptic, okay? So in a land decimated by the egregious dragons of Anarcha, humanity scrambles for the last vestige of food, okay? So that paragraph is that. Then the next paragraph is where you start to introduce your protagonist and why the protagonist is special and a little bit about the antagonist coming up or the battle beyond them. The next paragraph we found is that usually you're kind of doing a mic drop moment, that whole, will he win and save humanity or is humanity doomed? And then we finally find that it's really good to tie it up with the whole familiarity paragraph, if you will. And in this familiarity paragraph, it's something to the lines of like, hey, if you love this, this, and this, then you're going to absolutely love this book. And then finally, the last thing, and it's hilarious, but people always forget to have a call to action. And a call to action is where you just tell them, get this book now. Now, we have found that there's a really special thing that's great is Amazon doesn't like you to say things are on sale or a certain price. They get mad about that. So we have found that a great call to action is where you put in there something that says, get it now before the price changes. Amazon is okay with this, but what it tells the readers, oh man, I better get it now, not later, because the price may change. So click buy. We actually found that when somebody puts that in there, it increases the chance of buy by 3.6%. Like just that little sentence. Now, coming back to what you were talking about, that's a lot. And even though I've created this PDF that has the structure and explains it and even has examples of where you can click and go, we found that was still a lot. So one of the things my team and I just did was we actually added AI into the book description generator. Okay. So what an author can now do is that they can start typing their book description and you have to type. This doesn't just create it out of thin air. Okay. You type in your book description. And then you can click the AI button. It's absolutely free for authors to use. And then AI is going to take everything we just talked about 
and all of its technological advances, and it will take your book description and it will try to improve it, okay? Now you can look on the left and see the AI improvement or the AI attempt, and you can see what you put in there. And what I found has really helped out authors is that a lot of times the AI has done a really good job, but it's not perfect. And AI never will be perfect, not with our art. However, though, it'll be like, oh my goodness, I love that sentence. Or, oh, why didn't I think of that? And so authors are now using the AI to get like a muse, if you will. And they're copying and pasting and changing. And then the best part is you can hit the AI button again and just continue to polish that cannonball. And we have found that this has really helped out authors. My favorite story is I was just at a conference in London at the Self-Publishing Formula Conference. And somebody came up to me and they're like, I was really skeptical about that AI, you know, thing. And I was like, whatever. So I took my book description, I put it in there, and then I clicked the AI button. I printed off both. And I went to my wife and I was like, which one do you like better? And she chose the AI one. I was like, oh, but he still didn't just use the AI. He took from that and he actually improved. And he said that he actually saw an increase in sales. He's really jazzed about it. So for me, this has been really exciting because for a lot of authors, we get writer's block when we have to write our book description. And this can be that easy button to bring in AI to be amused and help to improve what you've done to make something that you're more proud of. Yeah, and what you're saying about giving you new ways of thinking about it is, I think, most helpful for this kind of writing. Because as James L. Rubart likes to say, it's hard to read the label when you're standing inside of the bottle. And you know too much about your book (laughs) to write the description. And you're too close to it. The characters are like your children. You love them all the same. And cutting a character from the description seems like it's this terrible tragedy. Whereas AI has none of those qualms and doesn't know as much about your book as you do, which for helping you with writing the book is a a bug. But when it comes to describing the book to a stranger is actually a feature because you don't want to get into the nitty gritty details. And so getting that outside perspective, being able to see what the label looks like and you're like, no, no, that's not right. But that is a cool phrase. I'm going to take that phrase and I'm going to build off something off of that. I can see that helping create a really good description. Now, this formula you walk through about, you know, opening with the the one thing and then having the genre connection and closing with the call to action. Does the AI build out that formula? How does that work? It will actually. So my programming team didn't just go in and just send a script to ChatGPT of like, hey, can you improve this book description? It actually is an insane amount of queries and programming that tells it specifically, this is what you need to do here. This is where you need to focus. And it breaks it down. And what we found is just that ability to automatically apply the formula has really improved a lot of book descriptions out there. Like I said in the beginning, a lot of times I've seen authors that make one giant block of text, one paragraph, and they put too many things in there and they don't break it out. They don't have a call to action. They don't have a a hook in the beginning. And it really is just a 300 word book report right then and there. And so if you're that person just putting it into the system, it will break it out into something that is so much more marketable than what you gave it. And the best part about this is anybody who's using this now, you don't have to study and learn and figure out these things. You just put in your description and then let it roll with it and then add your mark, make it where you're proud of it and excited or happy about it. And then take from there and go from it. But 
like I said, I just wish this thing had been around when I first started writing because, oh, and it's relatively low risk, right? Because if they take their description and they put it in there and the AI version is worse or they don't like it as much, it's not like it's getting automatically added to the Amazon page. You have to personally copy and paste it into the Amazon page, which you're only going to do if it's worth doing. If yeah. it's not better, you're not going to do it. And so and why not give this a try? Because if you can increase the conversion rate of your Amazon page, it, it will increase the conversion rate of all of the marketing that you're doing that's resulting in someone landing on the Amazon page, right? Even in-person marketing. There's a certain kind of person who will come to your booth at an event and then pull out their phone to buy your book on Amazon because they are just that much in love with Amazon <laughs> or they want mm-hmm. the Kindle version. And if your page is stronger, even your in-person marketing will be more effective. I like to call my Amazon book sales page my landing page, okay? And that's what it is. That's a word that's used throughout all of online marketing of any sort is that's the page where I want to send my customer to. And if I can do things to that page to make maybe instead of 1% of people that arrive by, I can make it 2%. I've just doubled the amount of money I made, right? So a way to take it is is that the Amazon landing page is here. All of the other marketing tactics you do from Facebook ads, Amazon ads, just Amazon sending you people, your email list, whatever, all of these marketing tactics, those things take people and bring them to your landing page, aka your book sales page. And so let's say all of your tactics bring in 100 people. If your page converts on 1%, then that means you only made one sale. Now, if you can do something to that page and you increase it to 3%, which is really easy to do, okay? You've now tripled the amount of sales. And so for every 100 people you get to come to your landing page, you will make three sales. And this makes life so much better. And so that's why I always tell authors when they start marketing their book, I'm like, you really should take the time to look at your landing page because changes on your landing page improves all of your marketing efforts across the board, not just one thing. And I think a lot of authors leave a lot of money on the table because they didn't do these things. And that's why getting a good book description is so important. Well, and along those same lines, if you've tried advertising and you're like, advertising doesn't work for me, right? I I bought Facebook ads, I bought Amazon ads, podcast ads, I bought ads wherever, and it wasn't working. It may be the problem wasn't the ads. The problem was actually your landing page, right? If those ads were getting lots of clicks, right? People were seeing the cover, they were seeing that one sentence or the few words and it was getting their attention, they're clicking the ad and, but you're like, I'm just not getting sales. Problems probably not the ads. The problem something on that landing page is making people feel just a little bit uneasy, and that's all it takes. Just a little, I don't know. And then suddenly they didn't buy. And if you can just take that, I don't know. If you can take that off your landing page, and now they're buying instead of not buying, and it makes sometimes little changes really do make a big difference. And this isn't groundbreaking science. It's not like Dave has discovered this. Internet marketers have known this for decades. (laughs) There's Mm -hmm. a whole science called landing page optimization. Scientists study this. There's millions of dollars of research that has gone into this. And the good thing is, is that you get to benefit because it's been figured out. We know what makes a landing page work with actual rigorous scientific studies, eye tracking studies. And one advantage you have is that Amazon knows as well. And so they give you a framework that's already well optimized, right? That really ugly orange add to cart button is ugly and orange for a reason (laughs) because it clashes and it draws the eye and that's on purpose. But just because you have a good framework doesn't mean that you can't still have elements that you control that are giving people that uneasy feeling that's keeping them from converting. 
Yes. Actually, it's funny. A long time ago, somebody wrote an article about that orange button. Amazon spent millions of dollars to figure out exactly what color, because if that orange color increases their conversion rate by 0.02%, that's tens of millions of dollars a year just because they changed the color a slightly different orange. And that's how important these things can be. Another thing, too, is I I tell people on Amazon ads, that was the biggest eye-opener for me about the importance of a landing page was because in Amazon ads, for once, I could say that I set up these ads, okay, and... Somebody, because of my ad, saw my cover, saw my title, and it interested them enough to click on it. So I can see every person that was drawn. So I know that they know what I'm about. They, they're very interested. They're ready to buy because they're on that market. Now I can see the number of people that didn't buy and the number of people that can buy. And all of a sudden, I see a lot of authors where they'll have like 400 people from their Amazon ad show up and they made one sale. And I'm like, okay, so what you're telling me is that there were 400 people who have an account with Amazon that have purchased with Amazon that were there shopping for a book. They saw your cover and they saw your title and they were interested. They clicked on it. And then, oh, it's your ads that are filling you? Or maybe there's something about your landing page that is causing those people to just be like, eh, click back. And I think that's a really important thing. And speaking of strong Amazon pages, the good blurb is critical. I'd say it's probably the second most important element after a good cover because you don't earn the right to have a good blurb until you've already dazzled them with the good cover. And we have episodes on how to have a good cover if you want to listen to those. But there's more to an Amazon page than that. And one thing that indie authors are very excited to have access to now is A-plus content. And so I feel like there's two kinds of indie authors. Indie authors who have no idea what A-plus content is and indie authors who won't shut up about it. (laughs) So what is A-plus content? A-plus content is very interesting. I'm not as much of a lover of it as many. And here's the thing. I have seen a lot of authors see A-plus content, and they immediately see it as like, oh, I should do something here. And then they create something, or they just put their cover up again, and it looks very unprofessional. And truth be told is I feel like in those cases or instances, it can really hurt you. Whereas if you have a graphic designer, okay? Somebody who made your book cover, but they can make your spaceship with a different angle or they can have more scenes from the book or something like that. Putting that in there is totally cool. That makes you look more professional. That is excellent. I've seen really cool, unique things added. Like somebody took a map, they had a star map and they put it in the A plus content. Or if you're a fantasy book, having a map of the land, makes you look even cooler. It shows me the world building building that is inside. These things drive people to feel more comfortable about this being a professional book and their kind of book than not. So to recap on my thoughts about this, I think A-plus content is excellent if you have the ability to design something new, unique, and professional looking. If you don't and you're just going to Canva and throwing in some things, I think it can absolutely hurt you because therefore it lowers the professionalism. Yeah, this is what we call the MySpace effect. A-plus content allows you to add a rich, lots of graphics section to your book page called From the Publisher. And so as the indie publisher, you can put that section on the Amazon page and you can put whatever you want within reason, right? There's some guidelines in terms of content. But just because you can put dancing unicorns behind the text doesn't mean you should. And this was what killed MySpace. 
back in the day was that they gave the teenagers using MySpace too much control over the look and feel of their MySpace pages. And they used that power poorly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Facebook came around and said, we're not going to let you change anything. It's this regimented, rigorous corporate style. And compared to MySpace, some pages of which were unreadable, right? Someone would have Mm -hmm. pink text on a purple background and the contrast was really low. And it was a really terrible experience, but it was expressing their true love of pink and purple or whatever. Facebook said, nope, it's black text on a white background (laughs) and photos. And Facebook beat MySpace. And so I think this warning from Dave is, is important to hear. Because if you can't afford to pay your designer more, and it may be as much as you paid for the book cover, maybe a little bit less, depending on how many assets they're having to create, it's a great opportunity. But if you just throw something together on a budget, it may be worse than just the text. Because if you just keep black text and it's well written, you have the Facebook protection, right? You look just like all the other books. And if you have something really professional, you get an advantage. But if you have something really amateur, you get a disadvantage. And I think one way to find out is I would be advertising before you do the change. So you can see what your conversion rates are and how well the ads are working. And then add your A-plus content and see if those ads become more effective or less effective. And then you can know scientifically if the A-plus content was helping or not. And if it wasn't helping, you can revert back to the safer Uh, but also less potential upside, just plain text version of your page. Exactly. Yeah, I love the Amazon ads component to that because I get to see how many people Amazon sent there and then I can see how many converted. And then if I change something, I can see if that actually changes it or not too. And so there's a lot less guesswork. Now, I'll tell you though, you might not have expected this, but do you know what my favorite little hack is for the Amazon sales page? I think... It is the editor review section. Nobody touches it. So the editor review section is your blank canvas to pretty much write anything. And what's funny about it is that way back in the day, Amazon used to have on their FAQ about the editor review section that even your mom can write something. This is your moment to be able to put just about anything up there. If you've won an award, if you've been nominated, put that right at the top. But here's the best part, and this is why so many authors don't do it, and yet I'm going to tell you it's super easy for anyone listening to take action and see results big time, okay? Everybody thinks, well, I don't know these big opportunities. I don't know Stephen King. Here's the thing. It's not about the name. Most of the time, people don't recognize the name. It's about the qualifier, and I think the qualifier is the most important thing. So, for example, what I mean by this? All right, well, we did a test. It was a heat map test where a whole bunch of shoppers were on a computer on Amazon shopping for books. And we paid them so they knew that we were monitoring this, but we monitored where their mouse went, where their eyes were looking on the screen and everything. We found that through this heat map, that a majority, mass majority of people would actually look at the editorial review section. But most importantly, none of them would actually read whatever somebody said. What they looked at was what made this person special. And so why this is important is because, especially in fiction, everybody listening probably knows at least one other author in their genre that has hit bestseller status in Amazon at some point. Now, but you may say to yourself, well, okay, but nobody knows that, not being mean, but maybe nobody wouldn't recognize that author. They're not super famous. That's not the point. The name's not the qualifier. The international or multi-best-selling author in name your genre. That's a qualifier. 
They might not recognize that author, but they will recognize that qualifier. And they'll say, oh, wow, other big authors in this genre talk about this book or this author. And that makes them feel even stronger to the book that this is professional and this is probably a good buy. And so I tell authors every time, I'm like, you can find five authors in your genre that have a qualifier. In nonfiction, I tell people, look, if you're talking about weight loss or there's some doctors, you know, come on, find a doctor that that has something to say about what you're doing or find a professor and that qualifier, PhD and such and such, MD, these things translate well. They might not know that particular doctor or that particular professor, but like I said, you don't need to know somebody famous. Just find and sit, take some time and think about a qualifier that's out there. And so that's why I tell everybody, take a second, really go to your editorial review section and take advantage of that amazing canvas. And if you're wanting help getting good endorsements, we have an episode all about how to get endorsements and it comes with a free tracking spreadsheet. So you can track who you've reached out to and where you are in the process, whether they've said yes and whether they've gotten back to you. And it really helps you stay organized because this really does make a difference. And that is a section as well. So it's really easy to get dazzled (laughs) by just one element of an Amazon page, right? I just care about the reviews, or I just care about the blurb, or I just care about the cover. And the reality is that it's all important. Some's more important than other, and some's more important to some readers than other readers. And so the more elements of that page that you have strong, the fewer readers will get that bad feeling and, and bounce off the page. And I I couldn't agree more. Another episode that we have is on advanced reader copies, which are a key tool for securing those endorsements. And so we're here to help. We have episodes. You just go to the backlog. You can find these episodes. You can learn how to do this. It really does make a difference. And another thing that can give people that uneasy feeling as we're working our way down the Amazon page is the also bots. I know a lot of indie authors get nervous about the also bots because you can't control what people buy on your page. But there are some techniques to influence that also bots bar. So walk us through the Dave Chesson patented also bots cleaning technique. This is one of the warnings about trying to pay for reviews or pay for, shall we say, fake suppressed purchases. I've seen there's companies in certain parts of the world that you can pay them and they will have a whole bunch of people go buy your book, which jacks up your Amazon bestseller rank and gets you more popular. However, though, you can quickly tell which books did this because all of a sudden you will see some very off the wall, crazy, probably really low quality books on your also buy. And that really hurts. So I give warning that if you're looking at paid reviews or paid sales and things like that, note that that kind of action is going to really hurt you in that section. So be aware of that. With regards to also bots, some of the areas that I really love, and there's a lot of great tactics, but my two favorite is that I love as an author, you should always put your also buy page in your book. So every time you go to publish your book, you should have a last page that also lists all the other books you published. I had a buddy of mine, he wrote a whole bunch of nonfiction books. And the first book didn't do too much. Second book didn't do too much. All of a sudden on his seventh book, that book took off. Well, thanks to his also buy page, book one through six took off after that. 
And it's true. A lot of people will look for their next read after they finish your book. And that's an opportunity. And what's great is when your own books start showing up in the also bot. So now you're getting more. And that's one way to do it. Another way too is that I loved, love, love working with other authors in my genre or topic. And so you can connect with them. And what's great about this is that most authors are not pumping out a new book every month. However, though, most authors have an email list and they're always looking for some way to stay engaged with their readers. And one thing that I've enjoyed is that either A, an author will recommend other authors' books, which is great, or B, I've also seen the thing where they'll have something to talk about and then in the bottom, they'll talk about what I'm reading now. And that's a really cool way to stay engaged and also provide input. But what's great, though, is that you can promote other authors while you're working on your book. And then when your book comes out, they can promote you. And this is also a great way to A, increase your sales, okay? B, build your network, but C, have a really good also bot section on your sales page. And D, help you develop good taste. (laughs) And also, uh, it gives you, if you're unpublished, right? You're still working on your first novel and you know you need an email newsletter and you know you need to be sending to that email newsletter at least once a month or at least once a quarter. You're like, I was 15% done and now I'm 25% done. That's not an interesting email newsletter. And it's not, right? Maybe include it, right? Because people are curious, right? Put a paragraph, but then recommend some books and get established as an authority, as somebody who has good taste and somebody who hangs out with with good authors, right? You know who the good authors are. And because even if you don't show up and they're also bots, which is really good and, and that's can happen, right? Where another author in your genre, you people who buy enough of both of your books where you're mutually supporting each other and you're also bots. But even if that doesn't happen, if all the best authors in your genre, according to you, because you're the one making these recommendations, are what your readers have already been buying because you've been recommending them. As soon as your book launches, it's going to more or less immediately populate with the kinds of books that you've been recommending and maybe the exact books that you've been recommending if enough of your email newsletter subscribers went and bought those books. And so this solves so many problems and sets you up for long-term success. And as you promote your own books to your own list, it will help pull your own books into that also bots row. Exactly. You know what one of my favorite emails to put, I actually put it in my autoresponder as an author. I love creating a blog post on my author website that lists my favorite books in that genre. Okay. And then I, and let me tell you what, that email gets opened by far the most because people are very interested to see what I like and to see which ones they've read and haven't read. Now, what's really cool about that is a, because it's on my website, I use Amazon Associates, so I get a little bit of the uh, percentage of what people buy. But on top of that, too, in Amazon Associate, I could also see what they actually bought. So I can see other books that my shoppers are purchasing on Amazon. And that kind of helps me to look into either A, reading them, B, developing a relationship with that author. And it just gives me a little bit more information about that shopper. The other thing, though, is that, again, that's kind of influencing my also bots as well. Because somebody who clearly has signed up for my email list and is reading my emails is somebody who's probably bought my book. And if I'm sending them to really good books and those are the ones populating on the back, new shoppers showing up to my book will see that and be like, oh man, yeah, people who love Starship Troopers, man, must really like, you know, this one. Cool. I'm in the right spot. And that's a neat thing. Just remember, while it's nice to trade with another author, right? I'll promote your book if you promote your book. The more important thing 
is that the books that you're promoting are good because you don't want to undermine your reputation as having bad taste. It's tempting to be like, I'm going to partner with every author who wants to partner with me and and I'm not going to read their books. And that's a mistake because that puts you in the community with all the people who are doing the minimum amount of work. (laughs) and You don't want to be around all the lazy authors who are looking for the shortcuts. You want to be with the hardworking winning authors, right? You want to be with the winners, not with the losers. And you want to demonstrate that you have taste, which means that you do need to read the book. And so this technique that Dave's talking about only works if you've read the books and those recommendations are good. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I I really want to emphasize this because I've seen this mistake of authors who just start doing newsletter swaps and cross promos with whoever because they're just so desperate. And there is no perfume called desperation. (laughs) Desperation is unattractive. And if readers sense desperation from you, that gives them that weird feeling and they don't end up buying. Now, one thing I do recommend authors think about, okay, is I really love to use the subtitle in fiction to help people understand what kind of subgenre this is. What I mean by that is that, so I'm a lit RPG cultivation fan. I love those books. I read them like crazy. I can't figure out if a book is lit RPG cultivation by the cover. You just can't put in there. There's no element that says this is what it is, okay? Instead, though, I feel more comfortable and will be more ready to click to then read the book description if it's telling me it is. And so, granted, everybody knows Nora Roberts, what she writes, or what Stephen King writes generally. They don't need to put a subtitle on there. However, if you're a new author, give me a little nudge and letting me know that that's a Litter PG cultivation book, and I'm going to be way more likely to click. And so I do recommend that, especially to new authors, help to know what genre it is. And you could say a Litter PG cultivation adventure. And there's ways to actually make it not sound like you're stuffing words, but it helps me to know what to expect, and then I'm going to give it more of a try. Otherwise, if you don't tell me that, it could just look like any old fantasy book, and I will might skip over it just because. I completely agree. In fact, if you're wanting help on picking a good title, uh, we have an episode on that as well. <laughs> we talk nice. about thinking about keywords in your title, and where this is most beneficial is a, a microgenre that may not have a category. Because here's the thing about marketing. The best way to sell something to someone is to use their own words. So if I'm looking for the Litter PG Cultivation Dungeon, okay, and those words are clearly in your subtitle, all right, well, I clearly found what I'm looking for. Let me see if this is interesting, aka I'm going to read your book description. Like, that's great. The final section, and this is important, is reviews. So any quick tips on how to get more reviews from the right kind of readers, the readers who are reading other books in your genre. So with regards to Amazon reviews, I am going to say there's new news that came out, and I'm sure you saw it, is that Amazon has admitted publicly that they're going to start using AI systems to crawl through the reviews of books and start to pre-develop the good things and the bad things. So this way, shoppers won't have to actually read the reviews of individual people. Instead, it will say like the general good things. And here's the things that were said that people generally like about this book, and it will be an AI-generated paragraph. And then here's the things people have generally complained about the book, and it will be an AI-generated paragraph. So interesting enough, as a shopper, I'm really excited about that because most of the time, and our data shows this, most of the time people actually read three-star and two-star reviews over that of one and five because five stars are just, it's amazing, you know, and one stars are, I hate everything usually. Um, And so really you get that whole, all right, a three star is where the person liked 
liked it, but maybe there was something that they didn't like about it. And that provides the most value. When I'm looking at buying a product on Amazon, I'm constantly looking. I was like, oh, Jeepers, this is cheap, but is this going to break? Can I trust it? And most of the time I have to really dig in order to find the truth. And so I'm excited as a shopper about Amazon using AI to figure out the general good and bad of products. As an author, I'm hesitant slash worried about how they handle it. So if I am a 4.9 out of 5 book, okay, in terms of my rating system, and maybe that 0.1, it's just people who didn't get the point, all right, or they're just off. But that's the o- there's only a little bit of it. Is Amazon just going to keep the bad blank? Or is Amazon going to bring this really ridiculousness right there in the forefront as if they're equal? And I worry as an author about shoppers reading that one little thing and be like, oh, yeah, I don't like that. And moving on, even though it's just a couple of jack wagons that got it wrong, that didn't understand. Or my favorites are when they admit that they didn't read the book. (laughs) However, and then what if Amazon takes the however and puts it up there like that's real? So I'm... A little excited as a shopper, a little hesitant as an author. And I will say, very likely, Amazon's going to pull of those negatives, not just from Amazon reviews, but also from Goodreads reviews. And so just keep this in mind as you have a launch team, as you're encouraging people to leave reviews, you want to make sure you're sending some people to Goodreads. Because if you're sending all your fans to Amazon and all your haters are going to Goodreads, you're going to end up with a very different scoring between the two sites. Dave, Justin, do you have any final uh, tips or encouragement? One last thing that I'll give as a tip that I love to do, and I think it's really important because we were talking about setting up people for success when they move on into your landing page. Your cover, your book cover, I think a really fun thing I like to do is I will take the book cover, all right, and I will remove a subtitle off of it that might tell people what it's about. And I will shrink it down to the size it will look like on Amazon. And then I will print that off and I will hand it to somebody and ask them to tell me what kind of book they think this is. It's a fun little exercise and hand it to people who don't know what type you write. You will be surprised how many times there's a misconception of what you write and it helps. One of my favorite little examples of this was somebody had a book cover and it was supposed to be a retro typewriter on it. But when you shrunk it down to the size, it looked like a toilet seat because the typewriter (laughs) had like this U thing. So they thought it was a toilet seat. And that was like, whoa, whoa. They were trying to be cool with this retro typewriter. And here they were personifying a thing that they don't want attached to their book. Another time was that somebody had this, and this is actually a semi-famous author, but they had a book cover where it was the shadow of a cowboy standing on a hill. And in the background, you could see what looks like fireworks, sort of. And the the title was just a single word title. But based off of that, because it was shadowy, and you shrink it down to the size, they don't know if it's a Western, modern, modern Western. Was it Civil War? Was that a general up there? Were those fireworks? Were those ramparts? Unless you knew who the writer was, there was no way you could tell what this book was, what genre it was, what setting it was, what main character it was. And if that author had taken this and walked around to people and asked, they would have realized, oh my goodness, nobody can tell what genre this is at all based off of my single word title and this 
very ambiguous cover. I love that little test and I highly recommend just take that and see what people say. It is so important for your cover to match the genre. That's one of the most important things for the cover to communicate because people read in certain genres and they don't read in others. Right? I don't Absolutely. know anyone who reads in all the genres. In fact, people typically have really specific preferences even within the genre, right? I read lit RPG, but I only read progressive lit RPG. I don't read that terrible cultivation stuff. How could somebody read a cultivation <laughs> lit RPG? Oh, those people have no taste. I have the good taste, right? And there's warring factions like I'm Ford, you're Chevy. And you've got to communicate honestly, because not only does this help increase the, your ads and your click-through rate, but it also increases your reviews, right? Because mm -hmm. if your book looks like by the cover that it's a certain kind of book, but it's really another kind of book, right? You look like a cozy romance, but it turns out you were an erotica. Mm -hmm. You're going to get some negative reviews there. <laughs> or even in just romance in general, how your cover is dressed or the character in your cover is dressed, as well as the positioning, the eyes dictates how steamy it's going to be. If you get that wrong, and I think I'm getting hot and steamy, but I get school marm, I'm going to be mad and I'm going to leave a bad review, right? So yeah, absolutely. Take that cover, see what people perceive it to be that don't know what you write. And a lot of times you're going to be surprised at what sticks out or what direction they take the book in. And that's some key information. Well said. The one thing we didn't mention is categories. Uh, you also want to be in the right category and you want to have the right keywords and there just happens to be a tool to help you do that it's called publisher rocket i know most of you already have publisher rocket as i like to say publisher rocket is like your left eye kalytics is like your right eye either one take you from blindness to seeing but both of them give you the full perspective and i know most of you already have both of those but if you don't you really need to check out publisher rocket and we will have a link to publisher rocket in the show notes, it's just an incredible tool to help you uh, optimize your Amazon page even more. But you don't need Publisher Rocket in order to try out the Kindlepreneur book description generator. We'll have a link to that as well. Check it out. The worst thing that'll happen is that nothing happens and you wasted five minutes. But if you can increase that conversion rate, it can really change the trajectory of your whole career. And that's worth a five minute try. <laughs> so Dave Chesson, thanks again for coming on the Novel Marketing Podcast. Absolutely. And thanks for having me. And a special welcome to our new July patrons, Gemma Sizemore Drudge, Sandra, Jesse, Dee Dee Finder, Aaron Casey, Alice McVeigh, Faith Bloom, and Jonathan Wilson. Thank you so much for your support keeping this podcast on the air. We couldn't do it without you. The Novel Marketing Podcast is a production of Author Media. Our guest today is Dave Chesson. Our producer is Lori Kirstein. Audio engineering by William Umstadt. And the blog version is crafted by Shauna Lettler. You can find that blog version as well as links to everything we talked about today at authormedia.com slash 381. I'm Thomas Umstadt Jr. saying thank you for listening and live long and prosper.